Welcome to Crucial Foundations, a program that seeks the foundational truths found in Scripture for every generation. Hi there, I'm Gable. And I'm Larry. We are teachers in the Charlottesville, Virginia area. Let us open our Bibles today to seek those timely truths found in God's Word. Welcome back to Crucial Foundations as we try to examine truths that every generation must learn and stand up on foundations, foundations of reason, of practice, the foundation of God and his word. We're, we're continuing our study of the value and danger of doubt, and we've reached the point now where we understand the danger of doubt and the value of doubt leading to light. I want to talk to you about probably the greatest challenge that Christians will face both within and without the church. And that is when you have people literally recruiting and trying to plant doubt for a carnal cause. Your relationships are very, very important. As we want to seek the light and want to know the truth, you know, we could be around people that laugh at that, make fun of that. Mm -hmm. We could be around people that they don't want to do that, and we want to make friendships and get close to them. We can imitate them. And sometimes when we're hurt or we're disappointed in others, we're at a moment of weakness. I've seen people, they'll reach out to you and then they do it in such a way to show they they they're trying to show you they care about you, but not really. They show they want they see you're hurting and they want to plant doubt and separate you from others. Mm -hmm. Let's develop this thought today of how evil people use doubt to cause you to pull back from his people and from God Himself. In Psalms 1, 1 and 2, we see a progression here. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor, and notice the progression here, stands in the paths of sinners. Then finally, the third progression, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. It is not uncommon for half people when they, they get to know you that they sometimes will want to pull you away from standing for God. And they rarely will use reason. They'll plant a shallow doubt, and they particularly love to find out somebody who's hurt you. Mm -hmm. And they like to share their hurt, but not to resolve their hurt, but they actually want to make your hurt even greater. The planting of bitterness. This is a great, great, great danger. That's why the Bible has a lot to say about gossip. It has a lot to say about working out your problems, going to talk with people who've hurt you, rather than getting in what I call a fellowship of the miserable. But sometimes we let that happen, and we need to be very careful within or without the church. You can have some people that want to go, shh, listen, let me tell you this. Oh, this happened to you. Isn't that person bad? And they get you, yeah, they get you actually more focusing on your problems and your hurts and rather than res resolving them. And when they get you going down that path, the next step they take is doctrinal doubt. Because if you're going to be shallow enough not to solve your own problems and not to show integrity when somebody's hurt you, you'll show the same lack of integrity toward Bible study. Let me give you an example. One of the most amazing examples in scripture is the example of Absalom, of how David let Absalom do what he did. Yes. Let's just read this one verse, 2 Samuel 15, 1. After this, it happened that Absalom provided himself with chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. Now, I wonder who paid for that. <laughs> I mean, chariots and horses, 50 men. Verse 20. Now, Absalom would rise early and stand beside the way to the gate. 
So it was when anyone who had a lawsuit came to him for a decision that Absalom would call and say, what city are you from? And they would say, your servant is from such and such a tribe of Israel. Then Absalom would say, look, your case is good and right, but there is no deputy of the king to hear you. Now, let's just stop here just for a moment. It didn't matter who he talked to, Gabe. Mm -hmm. He probably talked to people on both sides of the question separately. And, oh, your case is good and right. You know what? When you don't have to stand in the crucible of battle and make decisions and, and have to take a stand, if you can sit back in the background, you can criticize anybody. In this case, he could preach it round or flat. You know what? He wasn't interested in their case. He wanted to steal the hearts of these people. And if they were shallow enough, they would believe him. They should have seen him for a fraud, but a lot of people didn't. Look at verse four. Moreover, Absalom would say, oh, that I was made judge in the land and everyone who has any suit or cause would come to me and I would give him justice. You know, he's planning doubt. He's planning doubt in a moment of hurt, in a moment of stress where somebody's going to court and here's Absalom, you're all right. I'm your friend. Now, Absalom wasn't a judge. He had no responsibility. It is so easy to plant doubt toward the warriors of the cross of Christ as they're fighting battles. Oh, I wouldn't have done it that way. Oh, and, and never show responsibility. Notice verse five. And it was so that whenever anyone came near to him, that he would put his hand and take and kiss him. In this manner, Absalom acted toward all Israel who came to the king for judgment. Now, this sad sentence follows next. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. One of the great dangers we face, Gable, and I do warn about this a lot in local churches, is you can have people approach you, not in an openness, not in integrity, but they can approach you in a way where they're wanting to literally whisper and plant doubts in you and make you angry. The Bible is warns about this in 2 Peter 2, 1. It says, but there was also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. Now listen to this, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who brought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. You need to be careful, brother, when somebody comes to you, shh, don't tell anybody this. Or when somebody comes to you, you know, I think the church is all messed up and it's teaching out. If they think that and won't approach people, that's fine. But they don't want to do that. You don't tell anybody. And then let me tell you what I believe, but don't tell anybody. I've had friends of mine say, yes, somebody came to me and they shared something with me. They Shh, don't tell Larry. And I, I remember the person that did this, I had been close to him in the past. And I'm going, why couldn't they tell me? We need to be very careful about people who plant bitterness, who plant in pride and anger, because what they're trying to do, they're not trying to convince you from a reasonable standpoint. They're trying to poison your heart. They're trying to get you angry and keep you angry, and they're trying to plant pride. And there's where the secret whispering is so dangerous. Talking again about bitterness. Of course, we're talking about this in the context of doubt, and bitterness can create uh, continue to feed that doubt. Now, again, what Satan wants to do, and the person that goes after Satan, 
what he wants to do is plant that bitterness again towards other brethren, towards ones that you've known to love, you've come to love, and then suddenly you cast them off. Hebrews 12 and verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. There's one thing that I want to latch on to here for, for a few moments. Uh, this idea of planting a root of bitterness. Uh, the scripture, especially Jesus and many of his teachings and his parables, talks so much about uh, the application of planting and sowing and reaping and all these things. And we often talk about planting the seed that is good. We talk about planting it on the good ground. Well, here we get an illustration of uh, a bad illustration, actually, of planting. So there's also a bad seed, and that bad seed can take root, and it can take root so quickly. And Satan wants, uh, those of you who have lived in the South will uh, identify with this, kudzu, which is a very invasive plant. It's a very invasive uh, species, and it takes over any other plant any other life and it sucks out the life from it that's what we're talking about here it's very easy to spread that anger to spread that bitterness the world is not concerned with justice and mercy we've established that god wants that the world doesn't want that they may claim to but then their actions prove otherwise and so they're quick to believe a falsehood and to run with it to run with that falsehood and uh, and to make deceit the truth. Romans chapter one talks talks about that of deceit has a path, um, and God will allow them to do that. They can go down that path of deceit and lies. And of course, again, the devil he wants to plant pride toward brethren, planting pride in particular. James three and verse fourteen. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts. Do not boast and lie against the truth. So when your focus is, is so much about your hurt, your wants, your desires, brethren become uh, second, second party. You don't care about them as much as you used to. And in many ways, you make yourself an idol because you're looking out for yourself and your own, uh, your own hurt, your own pride. And in that, you're going to be continuing to look down on other brethren and not to listen if other brethren come to you and say this is wrong you need to you need to talk this out with your brethren rather than as as you talked about Mr. Larry getting uh, into the the fellowship of the miserable and doing things in the background uh, I won't read this whole passage but 1 Corinthians chapter 8 the very beginning of that that chapter talks about knowledge and knowledge puffs up but love edifies and if anyone loves God, this one is known by him. Do you seek knowledge to puff up? Yeah. Or do you seek knowledge in order to draw closer to God, the wisdom of God, not the wisdom of man? And uh, we, we want to talk also about pride rejoicing in the fault of others. I think we briefly mentioned this already. Um, Mr. Larry, you've, you've talked about this, of the, the land of throwaway people, yes. right? Yes. Uh, and you write them off with no attempt to work with them, no attempt to work out problems, no, no attempt to ask questions. 
And so in many ways, even you're glad if someone makes a mistake, because yes. then that makes you look better. Um, this is kind of a silly example, trivial example. Uh, I remember in grade school and in high school, I, I elevated academics at points, probably. I <laughs> I would go back and change some change some things how I looked at academics in some ways. But if if somebody that was that I was maybe competing with for grades, if they made a lower grade than me, I, I was glad about that because that made me look better. And uh, and we don't want to bring that into the brotherhood. We don't want to bring that that attitude uh, inward. Uh, Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Uh, also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Notice there that distinction. They elevated themselves because it, it made them look better uh, than, the, than these others. Um, I'll mention one other passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 18. For not he who commends himself is approved, but whom the Lord commends. Put off self, put on Christ. Again, when you do this, you're happy to discuss doubts without fear of loss when you seek after truth and when you seek uh, to talk about these things amongst your brethren. You may say, well, Larry, we're talking about doubt. Why are you talking about anger and bitterness toward brethren? Because these, this is to me as a cancer of the mind. Mm -hmm. If somebody gets this cancer in this mind and it is developed far enough, your mind shuts down. You, you don't even care about doubt anymore. You become, again, the center of your own universe. You live in the land of throwaway people. And matter of fact, if we say you, when you get together with the fellowship of the miserable, you rejoice in bad things. Yes. You, you talk about all the faults of others. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and just like Luke 18, 9 that you quoted a minute ago about with the Pharisees, they did this. It says he spoke a parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. And look at the prayer of the Pharisee. I'm not like this man. Yes. And see, and I see, brother, today, young people who really don't have enough knowledge to speak on the things they speak, but somehow they can now judge the entire brotherhood. Churches of Christ are so legalistic. Or, or their brethren, they're, they, they just, they, who makes the rules? We got all these rules we've made up. They're not bound in Scripture. Have you talked with someone about that? It's fascinating. You can't get people, once they get down this path, and they don't realize it, but they've really come into a subgroup and they are looking at other men for approval. And you see this on the Internet. You see this other things. And Paul, if you look at the to me, Galatians 416 is a powerful verse of how pride and bitterness and dishonesty can poison your heart toward truth. And Paul makes this statement. In verse 16, an amazing statement. He baptized these people in Christ. He worked with them. At one point, he says they would pull their eyes out of their head for him. But notice something changed. Have I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? Now, wait just a minute. How did that happen? I've had people that I've never had a problem with in my life. That matter of fact, some I baptized into Christ, some that I work with. And now today, they wouldn't really give me the time of day. And there was never an angry word. There was never a doctrinal discussion. The only memory I had back then was positiveness. Well, how does that happen? They got in with the fellowship of the miserable. They got into some of these movements today, these postmodern movements, these progressive movements. And now as part of admission, to a group like this, you share your hurts, you share your bitterness toward brethren. Notice verse 17. This is exactly what happened. Paul says, they, here's this group associating with the Galatians, 
they zealously court you, but for no good. Yes, they want to exclude you. In other words, throw away people that you may be zealous for them. I've seen things that have broken my heart. I've seen a movement develop in a church that I once preached for and watched at a distance as those bitterness came and eventually people pulled away. They formed their own group. And even sadly, some ended up losing their life in addiction. Uh, they related to some of these things. Oh, social drink is not a problem. Not a problem. It's one of our rules. But the thing that the leaders that do this and the things I'll tell you, I despise about not them personally, but what they do is there are people that are dishonest. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that, while they're in a position of power, they'll preach in a way you don't know what they mean by it. And they do that intentionally. And as one person says, he'll put handle on his words. If you ask him, what do you mean by this? He grabs this handle. Oh, this is what I mean. But then a disciple comes to him privately. Oh, here's what I mean. Well, I'm talking about flat out lying. And when sometimes these people are trying to gain influence, they will not tell you what they believe. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you one way I found out how, what some of these people believe is that sometimes their disciples still are honest and they will post on social media and stuff what the man believes, but you couldn't get pin him down um, asking a hundred questions. And that is not of God. Give you an example of this. Pharisees were confronted with a simple question and they had a belief, but they didn't want to reveal it. Luke 20 and verse four, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or from man? I want to tell you something. Somebody asked me a question and I have a belief. I'm going to tell them. And sometimes I have disagreement with my friends in the denominational world. I respect the man that says, here's what I believe, and here's why I believe it. A lot of people won't do that. So here's the question. Notice verse 5. And they reason among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, all the people will stone us, for they are persuaded that John was a prophet. Now look at verse 7. So they answered that they did not know where it was from. And that's a lie. And I've seen some, and I'll be bold there, but I've seen some of these liars influence people that I once knew and poisoned them. And that's a terrible thing. That's not of God. I love how Jesus pointed out, if, if you claim to serve God, be honest, be open. Luke, John 18, 20, here's what Jesus said. Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues in the temple where the Jews always met. And in secret, I have done nothing. Bringing us back to how do we deal with doubt? We've talked about how not to deal with doubt. How do we actually deal with it? How do we find answers? Again, What's your motivation? What's your attitude? Seek to have a pure and an honest heart. I invite you to go read uh, Psalm 24. Uh, it's a great passage there, another Psalm of David about uh, what he does in light of God's character. Don't run away from personal guilt. Uh, just observe what Nathaniel did in John chapter 1. I won't read this whole passage, but just uh, his initial question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And then Philip says to him there, Come and see. And he does. And then he makes a great 
Uh, he has a great response there at the end of the discussion. Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Examine the evidence for yourself. Come and see, as Nathaniel did. Don't run and hide. Don't shrink back from it. Go and evaluate it. There's many things that can divide our hearts. They can block answers out of our minds that we really, really need. James chapter 1, really the whole book of James talks about this. James chapter 4 as well. But James chapter 1 and verse 6, let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So it's this idea of, well, I'll just, I'll throw this up as kind of a hail, a hail Mary, kind of a last ditch effort. Because God, if you're up there, maybe, maybe you can do something about this. Maybe you can give me this, this certain wisdom, the answers that I'm seeking after. No, God, that's where it starts. Again, start with God and he will, he will guide you into all truth. It's interesting as you begin to look at people, there are some people who want truth and there are some people who want confusion. And this is one of the things that hard struggle I had as I was trying to study through questions. I would go to people that really didn't want me to study through questions. And when I started saying I drew this conclusion, they would go question, 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 question. And all they wanted to do, I found, came to realize they wanted to throw up clouds of dust. Mm -hmm. They would try to take a simple thing. I think Gabe and I was looking at a book the other day where there were just where he was trying to say, oh, you draw this conclusion that the Lord's Supper should be on the first day of the week. And he had this chart with all these questions you had to ask. And he made what really I think was a simple conclusion seem so complicated. And, I, you know, I would say, yep. well, you just take the reasoning you would have for the resurrection of Christ and the questions you have to raise. But you see, there's some people they don't want answers. And they won't be honest and fair when somebody is drawing the conclusion. I call those the scoffers. They're scoffers. And, I, you know, you should limit your, your relationship with scoffers. If there's somebody that principally wants to understand what is right and wrong, there's a difference between that and the person who's always laughing. They, and they'll, they'll raise a bunch of questions. Then they'll attack the person that's teaching it. They'll make it personal. The Bible warns about some people in 2 Timothy 3, 7 that are always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. How do people reason from Scripture? Let me give you an example of an irrelevant question. The Pharisees and the Sadducees had different beliefs on the resurrection. The Sadducees didn't believe there's a resurrection. But they didn't appeal to Scripture directly. What they did is they... They took a passage, for instance, in the Old Testament that if a woman dies, that that man, I mean, if the, the woman's husband dies, that the man's brother would, could take her for a wife. And they came up with this hypothetical situation where there were seven brothers and they all died. And then they asked this question in verse 23 of Mark 12. Therefore, in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? They all seven had her as wife. Now, notice what they did. I created this hypothetical, and it's so complicated, if you can't answer it, what the Bible says goes away. And the hypothetical was created on thin air, and Jesus just cut to the core. When they asked this question, he just ignored their hypothetical, and he says this. Therefore, in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as wife. Verse 24, Jesus answered and said to them, are you therefore not mistaken because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God? And then we explain to him why there is a resurrection. 
And so again, be careful as you're working with people. Some people think they've raised questions, they've answered things, and they really haven't. Don't accept easy answers. Be willing to examine. We've already noted that's exactly what Philip did. He, when he was told to come and see, he went and saw for himself, even though he had doubts. Again, talking about uh, what we do with one another and asking questions, all these things. Also, evaluate your own heart. Again, this comes back to you. You have to make these choices. So how can you how can you help with these doubts? How can you find answers? Talked about already in James chapter one, pray. Yes. Pray. And let all of your studies that are in the word have a faith in God at its foundation. Tied to that, don't run from study. Don't run from uh, studying with others. Because again, if truth is there, it wants to be found, and it will be found if you come in an open and in an honest way. And one thing that I want to highlight here for just a moment, we have to be willing to talk to those who are willing to study with us. If yes. somebody comes to us and maybe they see a problem, maybe they even have questions themselves, don't draw back from that. Be willing to study with them, even if maybe you don't have the answers. Try to find that together. Try to find that truth together and evaluate and look at who you're associating with. We mentioned this already. Evaluate those that are willing to talk about things versus those that are trying to stir up anger yes. in the hearts of brethren. Yes. Um, that's so important. Um, I'll just briefly mention one final passage. First John chapter two. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. We're talking about a hypocritical attitude here. Again, we've already mentioned this where they mentioned to someone, this is what I believe but you come over to somebody else and they say something completely different, or maybe they act one way to certain people and they act a different way around others. Evaluate your heart. Evaluate what you're about. Do you seek after truth? And again, we started the episode this way. God is always seeking after those that seek after him. Are we seeking? Are we knocking? Are we in earnest pursuit of the truth? Hope all of these things have helped you hope these things maybe even create new questions within you if you have questions we certainly want to answer those uh, if you would just email us at the email provided here in just a few moments we would be happy to indulge those and we certainly look forward to uh, joining us to for for you joining us next time uh, in our next episode thank you thank you for listening if you found this podcast to be helpful or encouraging please consider following and subscribing or leave a rating or a review. If you have questions about anything from the episode or any other Bible questions, you can reach out to us at ncvchurch at gmail.com. We hope that you'll join us next time as we lay another stone in the foundation of truth that God has given us. God bless you.